The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today with me is Daryl James. He is the bassist for the band The Strombellas. Welcome to the show, Daryl. Oh, I appreciate you having me. It's a pleasure to, to do this. So I saw you guys perform in Detroit, and I was pretty blown away. And I was really surprised when you guys told Detroit that you were Canadian. I had no idea until I, I saw you live. So did you guys all grow up kind of between the Toronto and Kingston area? Yes, we, we did. Um, four of us uh, in the band are from Lindsay, Ontario. We're all sort of varying ages. Uh, we didn't really grow up. Uh, you know, in school together. But once we all kind of moved to Toronto, uh, just that sort of Lindsay connection came through and uh, we just started playing music together. And then strangely enough, Dave and Izzy were both from a Craigslist ad. Oh, wow. Um, But Dave's from Oshawa. So he's sort of in the area as well. And actually, Izzy's uh, American. She's from Wisconsin. And she just was in school at U of T looking to play in a band. Oh, wow. She was so great to watch on stage. She's just awesome. And, you know, sometimes we're used to female performers like Lady Gaga and Beyonce who are wearing these like crazy outfits and really like into that. And, and Izzy just seems like a normal person who's really good at instruments and, and singing and stuff. So I just thought that was great. Izzy's truly inspiring and yeah. she's just a great musician and she's just always sort of like pushing her sound and what she does. So she's she's definitely inspiring to be around. Oh, that's very cool. And so for listeners who don't know, so Lindsay is near Peterborough, basically, right? So kind of like east of Toronto and then up a bit. <laughs> yeah, so it's about, yeah, like kind of like directly west of Peterborough. Um, but yeah, for us to get to Toronto, it's about an hour and a half. Yeah, and you guys have been playing for a long time together, right? Yeah, actually, it's. I was thinking about this recently. We're at about 10 years. I think we've been a band this coming December. Our first show was at like a farmer's market in Toronto. Awesome. And uh, and so, yeah, 10 years. Very, very cool. And so you, you played for your first time at a farmer's market a long time ago. So when you're traveling on the road, we're going to get to talk about what it's like being a band on the road, especially when it comes to sustainability. But do you ever shop at farmer's markets still, or do you try to find them out when you're on the road? Yeah, uh, both. Actually, in Lindsay, we have a farmer's market every Saturday and I believe every Wednesday. So my wife and kids and I actively go to the farmer's market oh, uh, each week. Whenever I'm home, obviously, sometimes I'm away, but uh, my family goes when I'm gone. And then, yeah, on the road, I definitely try to find markets or you know local foods or produce that i can find it's always you know by far the the best sort of food you can eat yeah when you're out there um, because it's you know you're always sort of eating out a lot so if you can find anything that's sort of like grown locally or someone's made locally it, it just adds you know to your day as far as like eating healthy and stuff is it tough to eat healthy when you're on the road as a band very tough I find like we all talk about this regularly because we 
you know, are striving to be healthy on the road. We're all sort of like me and John and Izzy run together fairly frequently and we're all kind of on diets regularly. And it's like, it, the hardest part is like the fatigue of the travel mm. is like once you start to get tired, it's like all of your discipline sort of like, uh, is forgotten yeah. and you just kind of like can't, you know, so when that thing that you don't, you shouldn't eat or you have more discipline at home when you're well rested, you know, the chocolate bar or the chips or something that you would pass on, it's like so easy to grab that on the road and, and you just have these really long days. So like, you know, sometimes some days you're up at 6 a.m. and you're playing your show uh, at midnight. So, wow. you know, if you eat too early or eat at the wrong times, it, it just makes, you know, you, you end up eating like four or five meals a day opposed to the three and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely a challenge we all face in the band and we all struggle to sort of support each other in. So do you, have, do you have like a kitchen or something on a tour bus or is there any way of you making or preparing your own food or is it all just restaurants? Yeah, well, that's sort of it all depends on the type of shows we're doing. Like if we're on a tour bus, you eat a bit better because we do have a, a kitchen and we have a fridge and you can have fruit and vegetables. Whereas a lot of stuff we do, particularly in the U.S. when we're doing stuff pertaining to radio promotion, everything's like you're flying in you're landing, you're going to do an acoustic set and then you're going to play your show and then you're going to the hotel to get up the next morning at 4 a.m. and flying somewhere else. So those are the days that, you know, the diet becomes extremely difficult to maintain. But yeah, when you have the consistency of the tour bus day to day, that makes it so much easier to eat healthy. Yeah, I find too on airplanes, I don't know if it's like a mild stress that people have or something of why they always take the snacks and always take the drinks, you know, because I try and refuse all of it. But then if it's a really long airplane ride or what you're saying, if you're like stressed and tired, then it's easier to take those things that are wrapped in plastic and and not very healthy for you maybe. So Totally. I, yeah. I, I'm super guilty. I, I We literally just talked about that on our flight. We flew home from Europe the other day. And we're all like, okay, let's, you know, let's not eat on the plane. And then we all kind of talked afterwards and we all took the snacks and stuff. (laughs) We were just exhausted. And, you know, then you're worried once you get off the plane, are you going to be hungry and finding something? So you kind of take it when you can. Right. Um, But then I said, like, sort of sometimes adds up to, you know, four or five meals a day. Yeah. And sometimes when you get out of the airplane, there's nowhere to eat for a while. Like, what if they lose your bags? Like, that's happened to me before. And then you're like two hours of like waiting for your bag, hoping that it'll come out for an hour. And then you have to go and like wait in the lineup and be like, hey, my bag didn't show up and like try and sort it out. Right. And then you're like dying of starvation by the the time that happens. What, What are some of the other sustainable challenges that you face as a band on tour? You know, as of the last couple of years, I've been much more conscious of like what we're doing on the road and definitely like, it, you know, plastic water bottles are, are a big item yeah. um, for us that I'm really trying to be aware of and using my own water bottle at all time on stage and just taking it on my flights or, you know, e- even on a flight when, you know, the um, the flight attendant can come over and say, hey, would you like some water? As opposed to taking like the plastic cup, I'll get them to fill my water bottle. I also have like a, a coffee cup in which I can, you know, fill my coffee up. Oh, good. And it, interestingly, I, I did sort of a social media post to sort of reach out to some of our fans. Um, I sort of said, hey, I'm using this water bottle. I've had it for a couple of years on the road. Do you have any other suggestions for me to... Um, reduce my waste on the road and like 
fans came back with just like incredible solutions as far as like now I I have a cutlery that I bring yeah and a straw so I can use my own um, I have a little portable container for leftovers. Nice. Um, I bring my own bar of soap now in shampoo, so I don't have to use the ones at the hotel. Yeah. And then just, you know, not having your towels done every day and stuff like that. So it was really great. So to reach out and to get that feedback. So I think every day for me, I'm trying to recognize where we are using extra, you know, and not being so super environmentally conscious and trying to like correct that myself. And then hopefully that's, you know, slowly spreading to some of the other members, which now they're starting to use water bottles. And then hopefully, you know, maybe we can get it to where the show doesn't even sell plastic. Like you can bring your own water bottle and fill it at the show. Oh, wow. Or like get a beer in your own cup or something. Because whenever I go to an event, like a, even if it's a hockey game or a concert or something, like it's nice to have a beer or, or a drink and then... If they put it in plastic, then I'm like, oh, no. What was really interesting for us, we played a show in Milan, and they had, like, biodegradable cups. Oh, good. Um, for beers and for water. Like, you couldn't get a water bottle in the entire place. Everything nice. was filled from a jug, or if you wanted a beer, it was from biodegradable cups. So I think there's there's lots of ways I'm seeing now people are becoming more conscious of their ways. Um, so not good. just as band members, but also I read an article actually how even late to the label, like your your label that helps you with your records and stuff, they're trying to be more conscious of their ways with, you know, CD packaging and vinyl packaging and just, you know, how they present certain products and being more conscious that way. Oh, that's good. I've never thought about that aspect of mm -hmm. the whole thing. Yeah, you do see a lot of water bottles for performers or even if it's like a TEDx talk or something you might see. Well, I don't I can't think if I've seen a bottle on a TEDx talk. <laughs> but but when people are <laughs> are talking or on a podcast or or any videos really, you do see a lot of water bottles and I think it's because everything is moving so quickly and people are focused on the entertainment aspect more so than you know the environmental part. So, and you've you've had your water bottle for a while, I think. Yeah, I've I've had the same water bottle. I believe I got it at a festival in like 2016. I can't yes. recall which one, somewhere in the U.S. And yeah, I've just literally taken it everywhere. You know, I drink tap water everywhere I go and I've, you know, never had a problem. And it's just crazy sometimes how we, in some ways, we're scared of tap water now. You know, or many people there, I don't want to drink out of the tap. Like it's, yeah, but it's super you know. tested. I drink tap water in a lot of places. Some places I don't, but I also brush my teeth with all the places, uh, tap water. So I brush my teeth with tap water in Africa. That was fine. Um, in, yeah. in Lima, like they say, don't drink the tap water in Lima, but I was certainly brushing my teeth with it in Mexico. And I, I certainly, you know, that was a long time ago. I think something would have showed up by now if I had <laughs> drank something bad. <laughs> so. so I've been the same when I, when I have traveled, I've, I'm an active traveler as well. And, um, yeah, we've, I've always sort of flushed my teeth with the local water. And, you know, you're caught, you want to be a little more cautious, but um, until your body sort of builds some immunity to the water, because it is a little bit different. Yeah, overall, yeah, little amounts of brushing your teeth and stuff like that have had no issues as well. Yeah. Was there something that made you bring your bottle on stage? Like, was there a moment where you just sort of came sustainable or was this sort of a growing movement of, you know, you say your family is shopping at farmer's markets, like, has this always been a part of you? Or were there some moments that were like a catalyst to being sustainable? You know, to be honest, it's been a lot of social media, I, I sort of changed the way in which I, I look at social media, like, I, 
I don't follow friends as much, say, on Facebook. It's more like I, I like pages that interest me from news to, you know, to environmental regulation or, you know, sustainability. And then my feed becomes more sort of informative. And what I kept seeing, like, over the years was I just kept seeing, like, the, the impacts on the environment and how you can reduce your waste. And, you know, you just see these things and it just kind of just kept, you know, infiltrating my mind and then I started noticing my habits and I was like oh man like realizing you know how much we fly in the band and and how much we take transportation and then being like well you know it's hard to stop those things that's how you sort of have to go out and play shows but what can I do on a minor level that sort of reduces my footprint and then that sort of just sort of extended into my family of talking to my wife about it and us being more conscious at home so we started to try to reduce our, our waste at home and start to, you know, shop more locally mm-hmm. and go to the bulk barns and use jars, yeah. um, you know, for our cereals and different things. So it's just sort of spawn. And then now my wife's actually starting like a, a local climate club uh, wow. in our town of Lindsay just to, again, create further awareness of like, you know, how you can reduce your waste and, and what you can do to reduce your carbon footprint a little bit. And yeah, just like it started sort of organically and then, you know, just again, started noticing what we were doing. And then it was like, oh, you know, we have children and we have to sort of start making these decisions now. We have to start acting now. And it, in some ways, I'm frustrated that uh, it's taken me this long to be more active. Like I've always recycled and stuff and always been, you know, composted at home, but I haven't been as cognizant of my carbon footprint. And, and now I'm starting to really sort of think about that and, and just further reduce in ways that aren't needed. Well, the cool part about you not really being into that stuff before is that you were into something else and you got so good at it that now you have a platform to make a big difference in sustainability because people are listening to you. Uh, let's take a look on your Spotify here. Okay, so Spirits is your number one song. 185,304,716 downloads. That's so many. Like, that's insane. And then the next one is like 15 million, you know? So you guys have this like huge platform now. And I, I'm wondering, like, do you feel pressure to have positive lyrics and be a positive influence because you have this big platform now? I, I think a little bit we do. Simon's the lead writer in the band, and, and he sort of presents the original ideas to us as a group, and then we help craft the songs from there. And yeah, I think like if you listen to some of the older records, you know they're they're kind of like an they have this like happy upbeat feeling in the song, but then the lyrics are pretty dark. But on the newer record, yeah, I think we wanted to sort of like present some of the the more positive aspects of you know love and children and family on this record Mm -hmm. and and how that affects you but I think at the end of the day like when you're writing songs like it kind of comes from within and and how you're feeling in that moment and um, I just think as, as we've grown and as we've built our families and stuff the messages you know become less about the fear of dying and the fear of maybe being left out to like, you know, how, how you can grow your family, how you can be positive, how you can, you know, maintain like your love with your partner, your wife and positives of having success. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, that's kind of where salvation, that song sits as well as having success uh, with spirits has given us a whole bunch of new opportunities that we never thought maybe existed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I think a lot of people do have this fear that like the world is going to end and stuff. So maybe they would find solace in, in some of your songs. And um, do you have any lyrics in your current songs that relate to the environment at all? I don't think I've found any, so I'm not sure. Yeah, no, not not specifically on this record. But um, who's to say, you know, on further records, further songs, uh, I think there's a good chance that we'll, we'll want to talk about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had a question about Dave that I wanted to ask because he was wearing his hat that said Dave on the front when I yeah. when I saw you guys. So is there like a story behind that? I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, there is a story. It's funny. Back in like our very, very young days, we used to do a residency at the Cameron House in Toronto. And Dave at, at that current time was taking like his PhD in literature. Oh, wow. At University of Toronto. And he actually went over to Scotland and was like studying and had left, for, I think for like a month or six weeks. I can't remember the amount of time. And because he was gone, what we, what we did in the band was we created a t-shirt with Dave's face on it. And we all wore that t-shirt. And then that t-shirt just sort of like took a, a life of its own where like, you know, I would wear it at further shows. And then next thing you know, like Dave created a, a new face and put it on a shirt, you know, and then the hat sort of evolved. So it all sort of just came together, sort of starting from that shirt and then just sort of evolved into this whole idea of Dave, you know, <laughs> and, and then, and then the hat was just a hit. Like that was his idea to do the Dave on the hat and sort of evolved this character. Well, his character, I guess, exactly who he is. And, he used to actually wear his own face on the shirt and the hat. He used to do both. And it was like pretty funny to, to see the combination. I think if you watch like the, the Jimmy Kimmel, we played on Jimmy Kimmel and like wow. even Jimmy Kimmel commented on sort of like it was a lot of Dave going on. Uh, but, <laughs> but now he just does the hat. And it's, uh, you know, we even, you know, at, in certain periods throw it as a merch item and try to sell it as well. I was going to ask if it was available for anyone to buy. I thought that was great when he was wearing that Dave hat. I'm like, I'm yeah. going to take it. That guy's name is Dave because it would be funny if it wasn't, but maybe it isn't. <laughs> then it turned out to be. So what was it like playing on Jimmy Kimball? That must have been quite amazing. Yeah, the the late night television is just absolutely nerve wracking. Like oh, yeah? Because you, you literally arrive, you know, first thing in the morning you kind of do a quick rehearsal and then you kind of wait all day to play one song, like for three minutes, like, you know, everything else, you you know, you get to play an hour and a half. And if you kind of mess up a little, or you make a mistake on one song, you know, you you have a whole bunch of songs to kind of play around it. But this is just like you, you're there early, you wait all day and you have three minutes to hopefully not make a mistake. Oh my gosh. Um, with a whole bunch of cameras and people watching you. So de- definitely a bit terrifying. Like I don't get too nervous before too many shows anymore, but the late night TV definitely uh, freaks me out a little bit. So do they just like have food out and stuff for you and you just kind of hang out or do you practice or? Yeah, they have food. You have like a green room. So you have food and, you know, you're kind of watching the whole rehearsal all day. So that, oh. you know, They'll go through like the jokes and who they're interviewing and do like, you know, mock up questions and you know how they all have little skits and stuff and the intros. So you sort of get to watch the whole show sort of get developed in the day and then you do your rehearsal. And then, yeah, we, you know, we sort of do some vocal practice and acoustically play the song while we can in the dressing room. We always say like, 
in the music industry, it's all about like hurry up and wait. So you kind of get yeah. there super early and then you just wait. And then that's kind of your day. You just wait, 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 wait. And then you got to play. You, you got to rush on the stage, play, hurry, 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 and then get off. And then you just kind of wait again. So We always used to say hurry up and wait in the military too, but I think that's not anywhere near as fun as, as being in a band. Did you notice, no. like, do they do anything sustainable or is it just totally normal, like, you know, water bottles and, and stuff like that? Yeah, just, yeah, everything was pretty normal. But I I really feel like in the next year, you're going to start to see more changes just on, even on the, le- you know, on commercial level, people are just becoming more and more aware of what's going on. And now there's just all of these, climate marches that are happening, which are creating further awareness. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting to see that, you know, even in the Canadian election, it seemed like climate change was like a a top policy that was discussed. Yeah. So I think in the next year or so, you're going to change. But I find the U.S. is also sort of different. They don't recycle the same way that we do in, in Canada. So I think there's some different challenges that they'll face there. Yeah, I think Canada has a really good recycling system. I'm really proud of it, especially here in my area. And, you know, I, I'm i thinking about Hollywood a little bit because you're talking about Jimmy Kimmel. And I think Hollywood has such a huge platform as well that they can send these really good messages. So for kind of a random example, the show 90210. <laughs> so yeah. the old one, they're all drinking out of plastic straws. And the new one, there were like a few episodes of like a reboot. And they were all paper straws. So I thought that that was kind of nice that they're taking that step. And I think that we'll probably end up seeing that more because I notice in Hollywood movies and shows that there's a lot of people drinking out of garbage, especially like coffee cups and stuff. You know, they'll they'll do that scene where they're like walking, you know, saying something important and they'll have those props of like the the to-go garbage cups. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's just once it once people become more conscious of it, I think it's just going to take off. And I think that time is now. I think you're just going to see more and more and more. And it's kind of why I've been posting about it more and why my wife and I are starting a bit of a climate club in, in town and just trying to really, you know, create further awareness for people that, you know, maybe aren't educated in it or haven't thought about it or, you know, and just now want to start to make changes in their life. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to notice it at this point. Does your wife have uh, Instagram or Facebook or anything that, like, for the club that you want to uh, shout out on the show? Yeah, it's it, it's a brand new page, and it's the Kortha Climate Club. It's called the Kortha <laughs> nice. Climate Club. It's got a good uh, ring to it. And it's just literally just the Facebook page just kind of got up and going, like, this week. It, it's in its infancy. We're just starting out, but... There's definitely like a large number of people in our community that are excited to be part of it and willing to offer help from like web pages to design to different things. So, you know, there's definitely like a grassroots feeling of people wanting to get involved. So, as I said, I think it's just going to be more and more. And, and hopefully, like with the band through social media, I'll continue to show the habits that I'm changing or the band's changing. And, like you said, who knows about a song that may talk about it in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, your Instagram page is awesome um, for showing some of those things sometimes. And I I think the Korthas is like a really pretty lake area, right? Like lots of beautiful outdoors yeah. areas. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. There's just like so many lakes up in this area. 
Yeah. Um, so Lindsay is like part of the Kawarthas, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I have this like theory. I don't know if it's true, but I notice a lot of people from British Columbia on the coast are like very, very eco-friendly. And I think yeah. that it has something to do with like the natural beauty. So I think that that would it's going to be an excellent place for people to get involved up there in uh, environmental stuff. Totally. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And your band, so in 2017, you won the Juno Award for Single of the Year. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And then another one back in 2014? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it was like a folk album of the year. Nice. That's awesome. So what was it like winning such a big award? Did you guys all go to the show and, and receive it and like give a speech and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we always make a very conscious effort to go to the Junos. Um, I, I've even gone on years the band hasn't gone. I, I went to Vancouver on my own. I just think it's it's just such an incredible event where you just get to sort of mingle and hang out with all the top Canadian artists, you know, from top to bottom. There's just so many artists there, and you don't often get to do that because everyone's touring yeah. you know, outside of the award ceremony. So if you see anyone, it's very brief, and you sort of move on. So the Junos gives you an opportunity. Like, I play in the, the hockey game, the Juno Cup, Really? And yeah, and it, and it just sort of like you create so many great networks of friends from it that uh, it's an incredible experience. And anytime you win a Juno, it's just like a uh, it's just a huge honor. It's a huge surprise, um, particularly single of the year for us. You know, we were up against, I think, uh, like I believe Drake and maybe Justin Bieber. Wow! Um, oh my gosh! And, and so we really, we really didn't think we were going to win that one. Like I think even at the time, Simon hadn't even he'd taken off his shoes because it's kind of a long night of awards <laughs> goes on for about four hours or so and i think he had taken <laughs> off his shoes and just had no like you know expectation we we're gonna win and then when they said our name like we were just sort of you know our minds were blown to compete with those type bands but spirits was a big song it did really really well around the world and it really did change our lives so it was nice to be right yeah, it's huge. Oh, that's awesome. So that is so Canadian that there's a there's a hockey game at the Juno Awards. So for our American listeners, what is the equivalent American awards show? Is it the Grammys? Uh, the Grammys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Juno's is the Canadian version of the Grammys. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And were there any celebrities that you were playing hockey with that we would know of? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I played with, you know, Daniel Alpertson and uh, as far as like hockey stars, because it's like it's like the NHL players. Oh, okay. So, like Doug Gilmore and oh, wow. Gary Roberts, uh, Daniel Alfredson, and then with musicians, you know, Jim Cuddy's the lead, sort of the lead who started, I believe, the the hockey game and has been a part of it for years. So it's always an honor to to play with Jim. And then you know, there's everyone from like members of Walk Off the Earth to Chad Brownlee, who's a country artist. Uh, to J.J. Shiplett, who's an incredible artist out of Calgary. Like, it's just, it's an amazing group of people that all come together of all different, from pop genres to country to hip-hop to, it's just, just a mash. And we're not very good overall. Like, we <laughs> tend to get beat pretty bad. But I think last year, actually, I, last year I didn't play. Unfortunately, we were touring, but they they beat the NHLers for the first time last year. The music, the Canadian musicians. The Canadian musicians, the, the one benefit the musicians get is they always get a, uh, the NHL goalie. Oh, good. That's good. So you, you have a, and then the, the NHLers get the musician goalie. So oh. it kind of, it kind of gives us a little bit of a chance. You know? Yeah. 
You said Doug Gilmore. You know, I had a poster, a giant poster of Doug Gilmore when he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs on my wall from the time I was like eight till maybe 12 years old or something. It's funny. He was like one of my heroes, him and Pot Van, because that's when Pot Van was the goalie. <laughs> yeah, Doug's a big fan of the band. I oh, actually, good. Uh, he's come to a number of shows. So it's, it's very weird for me, too, because I was a huge fan of him growing up. And to have him like our music is is an honor for sure. That's so amazing. Oh, well, Daryl, thank you so much for all of this. This is so wonderful. Um, thank you for everything that you do in sustainability. Like I said, you've got a big platform, so I think you're going to really make a difference and the band and your music is excellent. Uh, you know, you can find your music wherever you are on the internet and uh, <laughs> Strumbellas is on Instagram, Twitter. You've got a website and I'm sure you're going on tour um, soon or whatever, so we can watch out for that if anyone wants to go see a live show, right? Yeah, we have a large Canadian tour all across Canada in ju- in January and February um, that we're really excited to do and to play in front of all of our Canadian fans. So um, that's going to be big. And you, yeah, you can find that on our website and on our social media platforms and stuff. All the information is there. Awesome. I was just blown away at how good your show was. So I really recommend going to see the Strombellas play. Uh, so thank you so much, Daryl. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and uh, I look forward to doing this again. Awesome. That was Daryl James, the bassist for the band, the Strombellas. Did you know you can now find our episodes on YouTube? If you have a YouTube account, please like, subscribe, and comment on there. And if you haven't given us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, please do so. It helps the algorithms push our show up in search results, which means more people will discover the show and more zero-waste solutions will be shared around the world from our amazing guests that we've had on the show. I'm a volunteer at my local college radio station, and I don't make very much money, so if you have a few bucks to spare each month, you can sign up and be a patron on Podbean. There's a little reward button you can click on there. I'm also on Patreon, but I want to keep all my content free for everyone instead of putting it behind a paywall, so... You also can donate directly on the show's website, zerowastecountdown.com. We are a registered nonprofit in Canada called the Zero Waste Countdown Initiative. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks to our listeners in America, Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Spain, and wherever else you're tuning in from. Together, we're going to change the world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. (laughs) 